1: Bring in show music, please. This
0: is Squawk Pod, the daily podcast brought to you by the team behind Squawk Box.
1: NYC, this is CNBC Control 2.
0: CNBC's essential morning show. PCO2. Every day, get the best stories, debate, and analysis from the biggest names in business and politics.
1: All right, we're coming to it next.
0: Today on Squawk Pod, a decisive win for conservative government in the UK.
2: We will get Brexit done. No ifs, no buts. No, maybes.
0: Trump advisor Steve Bannon says America First is winning.
3: The tariffs have been a winner. The economy's on fire. He does not need a deal. He, all the cards, he has all the cards. He's a tough negotiator. He's a master deal maker.
0: Plus Joe Kernan on covering those policies, which you'll only hear on the podcast. And Capitol Hill is debating drug prices, but the former FDA commissioner says they're missing the mark. Dr. Scott Gottlieb.
4: That bill doesn't solve the drug pricing problem, if you will, the out-of-pocket problem for a lot of Americans.
0: I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer.
2: It's Friday, the 13th. Squawk Pod begins right now.
1: Stand, Becky, by in three, two, one, feel free.
2: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We are live from the Nasdaq Market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Cardin and Andrew Ross Sorkin.
0: First up. An update on the trade war. President Trump has reportedly agreed to a limited trade agreement with Beijing that would roll back existing tariffs on Chinese goods and cancel the new tariffs that were set to take effect on the 15th. That's this Sunday. In exchange, China will reportedly boost purchases of U.S. farm goods and obtain other concessions. According to the reports, the phase one deal includes a snapback provision that would reimpose tariffs if Beijing fails to make the purchases it has agreed to. Now, a source in China close to the trade talks told CNBC that the number of agricultural purchases give the Chinese pause. So does the American election coming up in 2020, which might result in more tariffs than despite a deal now. And also a concern for the Chinese, domestic perception. Here's Andrew.
5: Our next guest is China Beige Books International CEO, Leland Miller. Uh, You were sort of, I could tell, making faces.
6: What 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 was that face trying to say? Well, the face is trying to say that, you know, we've known that there is going to be a baby trade deal. We've been saying this for months, but this is sort of a head scratcher. I mean, this is not even disguised as anything more than an agricultural purchases deal. But the problem is the purchases numbers don't even make sense and media report there's no text yet and when there is a text it'll be interesting because if they're talking about a 50 billion number is this a ramp up over two years which is not possible or is it a, is it a 2020 number which is mathematically impossible there's no way they could do 50 they though. can't do these numbers so so the so the the deal itself doesn't really have a foundation they want to have a detente but they don't really have a text they don't want to make it public they don't really know what the context it just, this is just a very and so, do,
5: uh, do you think china is not doing this
6: no i think i think, think china is doing
5: this because it's such a as you would say
6: it's the threshold of the bar so low That's exactly right. So why not do this? They're getting a a detente. They're buying stuff they want to buy. Apparently, they don't have to publicize what they're doing and they're not having to to turn these into actual contracts so that if they don't like what President Trump is doing. do you think politically, though, internally, they could pull this off? It hurts their narrative to be talking about, you know, the state being directed to do this and the government directing them to do that. And it will hurt their trade relationships elsewhere. So there are issues why this isn't just easy, easy. But If they want this done and they want this done, then they just order it getting done.
2: Leland, just looking at what's going to happen with this, when this deal is done, China's going to say, okay, they've won. President Trump is going to tweet out this is the greatest deal that's ever been done with China. How do we actually assess that? What, uh, How are we supposed to figure out whether this is a good deal or not? It seems to me that a lot of it's left out. So like you mentioned, it's just agricultural. But how do we actually have any form of measurement?
6: Well, look, the president promised that a, a trade deal would be big and robust and would cover structural reform. And people are going to be really going at this thing to make sure it's something other than a purchases deal. Uh, but the, you're saying oh, that's all it is. It's a purchases deal. Look, we don't it's a purchase have purchases deal. A t- deal and you don't even know if they're really going to do the purchases. That's what I'm seeing right now. Now, they don't have a legal text right now, so we haven't been able to go over exactly what this says. The problem is is that you you have a deal right now, but if President Trump is being assailed as having given up things too easy and 2020 comes in and the Democratic candidate is someone who's stronger on China or trying to be stronger on China than President Trump, that we may not see a phase one deal stick into next year. This thing could be pulled back before the 2020 election. I think people are—the idea that there's a punt— the punt's going to happen. But the idea that we're going to have a detente through the 2020 election, I think that is way too early to say that that's going to happen.
2: Meaning the tariffs could come back on it. any tariffs point. could Meaning come the back. agricultural purchases could disappear. There's
6: anytime. a lot of
5: people in that's Trump's right. ear that don't want a
7: deal.
2: Right. Is better, so this that, goes back
6: to, to the far politics
5: far. that we've is been be talking far. about in the, the election and, and, how, and how this kind of deal would be used or
6: not within the sort of... Political process here in the United States. That's right, and this is this is not some deal that appeared out of nowhere. This is the same basic deal that they've had on the table now for months, and the U.S. side didn't like it. The U.S. side wasn't even of one mind about whether to offer
2: rollbacks or rate reductions. So, or, look, is the smarter political play to just say we're not going to impose new tariffs, but we're not going right. to roll the old but, ones off, but, and don't, you do what you want? Don't don't. But if they any roll any back anymore. the old ones,
7: any criticism of. That being part of the global slowdown, which comes here and hurts his chances in the real life. I mean, he's yeah, got if, a way if, here. If of, he rolls
2: off the tariffs and they drop the agricultural purchases and don't well, follow through Well, then you go it, right then, back on. Then they go right back on, but then right. it impacts the market and but, the economy during as it gets closer to But the
7: all the people that have been, you know, just bellyaching about how the tariffs are, are causing no capital spending and... and part of the reason but for the, the global slowdown. The Trump gets those of out terror. of the way before the, the election.
2: Now, the uncertainty of the trade picture is what's causing the, the lack of CapEx spending, right. and that's not going away. No, the,
7: you can have a deal. I read something this morning that said the market wants, it, it hates uncertainty and this removes some uncertainty. It
2: does remove it some. Doesn't well, want, it yes, doesn't. December
7: 15th we're not going up, and we're bringing, and we, yeah, rolling the short
6: term And we're pulling
7: back some other ones. So people that thought that these tariffs were hurting and Then the Chinese
2: have something that they're holding over you, and if they, at that point, don't go ahead with the agricultural purchases. Your only choice is to put the tariffs back on, and you do that at a point that's close to the election.
6: It's not a good deal yet. The question is, is it even a real deal? Three months right. from now, is had, this still had, a deal? We
2: had Kevin Brady on yesterday, and he was saying it's going to be great because there's going to be intellectual property and all of these other issues that we kind of take up in it. None of that is going to get put in there.
6: They may put the low-hanging fruit in there, but is this the structural reform that we've been talking about, putting everybody through 18 months or more? Of well, that may? was... Well, it was
7: never going to... As you said, it was never going to be in phase one. The question is whether... There's really going to be a phase two if there's no, if phase one doesn't There will be no phase two, and in six months there may not be a phase one. That's the big question. Well, it's a question. You said it as a statement. We'll
5: see. Okay, we will see.
1: Well, my friends, good morning, everybody,
2: my friends. Well, we did it. UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson securing a major victory overnight, his party taking control of Parliament at a victory celebration. Johnson vowed to leave the EU by January 31st, saying no ifs, no buts, no maybes. We will get Brexit done on time by the 31st of January. No ifs, no buts, no maybes. The result was more decisive than pollsters had forecast
7: biggest uh win since, since
2: margaret thatcher i think that in 1987 of, yeah since uh the uh, it's more than 70 he has a cushion of more than 70 mps
7: and it doesn't uh it's not it's happening in a vacuum maybe. either if you right. look at a, a look around
2: the country or if you just
7: look world. at the map in, in the uk there's london and it's the reverse over there it's uh, the the labor was red, and, and, uh, but right. London was all so red, slow. and then all the outlying areas were, were all blue. looks like a, a map here. Yep. I was reading something from a, 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 an avowed leftist. What's his name? Jonathan Chait. You know that guy, Sorkin? I mean, Jonathan a, Chait. He was York, saying— From the New York Magazine. Yeah, right. Yep. And he just tweeted something about how if the left here thought that the Corbyn election was inevitable and, and, an, and an endorsement of moving that way— The the people in this country now need to rethink what's happening. And I I don't think... Suddenly, you know, suddenly one thing happens in the UK and suddenly something over here happens. But, I think it's very bad for San- the Sanders-Warren wing of the party has to see exactly what happened over there. And, but, it's, and it's a
2: reflection of what happened back in 2015.
7: Happened Brexit and then Trump.
2: Brexit vote right into Trump's election. Footsie, you saw it was up by almost FTSE's
7: up pounds, up, pounds up, all players. the, it, that also was like, when Trump was gonna be elected, the world was gonna end economically. And when Brexit was gonna happen, same thing, and the pounds up, markets the, the, are up.
2: The bigger question this does raise is, what happens to the UK? Because Scotland had a very overwhelming decisive vote saying that they would like to see a vote for secession. Right. You have a similar situation in Northern Ireland. So, can he maintain uh, the United Kingdom? It's going
7: to happen January 31st, though. So.
2: Oh, Brexit's happening. Yeah, Brexit's happening. The question is, and then they'll do a trip to the United and then Kingdom after that.
7: Those two guys, are perfect Trump and Bojo, both with the hair, signing the, the bilateral trade deal, that'll happen quickly, I think. And, you know, not for nothing, I, I saw other people saying this last night except for what's happening this morning at 10 a.m., Friday the 13th. Perfect. Trump's had this, like, crazy good week. It's like nutso. I mean, between the USMCA, uh, the China deal, whether it's the real or not. The impeachment hearings.
5: The impeachment <laughs> hearings
7: have not been. Look, these, there are people that would argue that those have even been good when you, only, you don't even introduce yeah. any of the articles, well. any of the real articles. Look, he won Brexit. He, he, he got Boris Johnson. He got USMCA. He got China. He got everything he wanted for the defense bill. He got the budget that he oh, it's wanted. And they're
2: going to cap it's it off by oh, voting it's to. He, it's
7: he, it's the tariffs are all
5: spade. Fine. it's not gotten China. It's a, it's, it's, it's a delay
7: of the. It's a, it's a delay of the December fifteen trade. It's something and he can say he did. The
5: That he created. That now he's pushing on. Basically, because he
7: couldn't get the deal that he wanted. Fine. Don't your voice doesn't have to go up to the high. You know, it sounds like a. It sounds like an airplane engine. Relax
5: for a. We're hearing Look, you make up this propaganda about... Okay, the, the, is that propaganda when every
7: newspaper has it? So it's been a what? good week. Just face Bor- it. Boris Johnson... U.S. agrees to limited China trade
5: deal. It's going it, to... It got done. Did USMCA not get done? Sure, but, but, but Boris Johnson winning, you think, is a... I think that's Trump a big win.
7: Yeah, I think it's a big I, I think it is. He's, he was backing Johnson saying he hopes he wins, saying he hopes for Brexit. And it's it's not happening in a vacuum. It's not. It's a it's a defeat for globalists, elitists and, and the like. And it was decisive. If you thought that you could it do was, another referendum, than the if you thought, thought you could do be. another referendum where Brexit would lose, you know, best out of three or something, that's not
2: going to happen. Look, the, the, the Boris Johnson was a much more extreme victory than had been anticipated by the pollsters. However, I think the China deal, I think we still have to wait and see what happens this week with Beijing going silent on this. And, uh, if uh, Beijing uh, tries to change the terms again, I'm not sure that Trump would go along with it.
5: We'll see we got some more trouble for Facebook today. The social network finding itself under some more regulatory scrutiny over its proposal to integrate WhatsApp and Instagram. Reports say the Federal Trade Commission may now seek a preliminary injunction against Facebook as soon as next month. That issue concerns that the integration of the messaging services could violate antitrust laws and perhaps even more. Uh, make it very difficult or even more difficult to try to break up later. For more on this developing story, we want to bring in one of the street's top tech voices, Mark Mahaney, lead Internet analyst at RBC. What do you make of this report? Uh, good morning, Andrew. So, uh uh, this uh,
1: regulatory heat has been building for a while on uh, on Facebook. Uh, the company now Zuckerberg announced uh, about six months ago that they wanted to make, he wanted to make his services interoperable. That's WhatsApp, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Facebook, Messenger. It hasn't been material because it hasn't occurred yet, um, whether uh, if that was to be delayed or staved off, uh, it may undermine the user experience a little bit. I think the real loss here for Facebook long term could be an undermining of its ability to monetize WhatsApp, a huge asset, which today has generated no revenue
5: for them. If you got to a position where the FTC says, no, you can't integrate these products, could you see a Mark Zuckerberg say, you know what, actually, then there's more value to be had in having these as independent entities? not under one umbrella. I don't think
1: so. I I get the point, Andrew. I don't think uh, if uh, I don't think they would voluntarily look to spin these assets off. There's a fair amount of synergies that have been created to date, but at at least between Facebook and Instagram, between Facebook and WhatsApp, no, but between Facebook and Instagram, yes. So unwinding those synergies, I think would the Facebook itself would would view as a negative development. They wouldn't voluntarily do it. You'd have to force them.
5: Extrapolate out real quick before we go. What does this mean to the other tech companies and what does it say about what how aggressive you think the FTC might be in going after them?
1: There are four or five names in tech that are under right. the regulatory spotlight. Facebook, Amazon, Google, uh, Apple, and uh, Microsoft. So if the FTC is willing to do this with Facebook, with assets that have already been uh, approved and uh, and purchased, it probably would put uh, a lot of pressure on these companies so to w- not do any, any major acquisitions going forward. So,
5: but what, what's uh, they're, vulnerable? They're both, I mean, Apple's ability app is to, vulnerable. I imagine yeah, if you look at something no, like this. No. What no, about?
1: no. Andrew, step back. I think it would be their ability of these companies to do large scale acquisitions going forwards. Uh, I think uh, any acquisition they would consider in the future, they'd have to uh, they'd have to think about the risk of that being unwinded, unwound, unwinded several years down the road. I think that's what it would be. It would be a chilling impact on future M&A.
5: Small deals as well?
1: Oh, I don't know. Small little deals like Google for Fit, uh, Fitbit probably gets through, something tiny like that. But even that's being reviewed. It almost seems like there would be a chilling impact on almost all acquisitions, but especially right. anything sizable, $10
5: billion or above. Okay. Hey, Mark, thank you for waking up early. Appreciate it. Thank you, Andrew. Nice to see you. Happy holidays. You too. Cheese will
1: be next.
0: Next on Squawk Pod, the architect, Steve Bannon, the Trump advisor behind many of the president's America First policies, says impeachment is a unifying event.
3: He believes, and I think his followers believe, and now all of the Republican Party believe, that what he did was correct, it is what he was hired to do, uh, and that and he needs to be exonerated, not just acquitted by some majority vote.
0: What's on the horizon for financial markets? Welcome back to Squawk Pod. Today we're bringing you a conversation with Steve Bannon, the former chief strategist at the White House and a key advisor to the policies of the Trump administration. In that conversation with Bannon, our anchors Joe, Becky, and Andrew ask questions about everything from the emerging China trade deal, Phase One, to the articles of impeachment. I caught up with Joe Kernan.
7: Steve Bannon, uh, you know, he conjures up a lot of uh, a, a lot of uh, feelings, visceral feelings on both sides of the aisle. Uh, I think, you know. People that, that don't know a lot about him probably don't realize he was uh, a naval officer, a Harvard uh, MBA, a film producer, a Goldman Sachs executive, uh, and really um, one of the whispers in the president's ear about a lot of the most important things that the that President Trump uh, has, has tried to do in terms of uh, immigration and populism and nationalism uh, and really the approach to China. So. He's not with the administration any longer, but he certainly has a unique insight into how President Trump thinks. And therefore, it's very relevant, especially with, uh, you know, as as the president continues to push the America First agenda.
0: Right. I I, I want to go back to something you just said about China and and Trump's attitudes towards it. I think trade you know, is a key topic of discussion in, in Bannon's uh, conversation with the three of you. And he uses really specific wording when talking about China. He says, that country has been waging an economic war for decades. And that is a pretty assertive language, but he's been way out in front and using that kind of wording for a long time.
7: If you said, do you mean just a trade war or could there be a, a, a cold war or even a a conflict, a, a military war, and I don't think he would. Uh, I don't think he would take back his his meaning. And I think he means it as an existential threat to the United States. And whether it's island, or whether it's you know military bases on the islands in the South China Sea, or the the stated um, goals of, of China, the five-year goals going out to 2025, that that really do look. Um, Maybe they're, they're couched in economic um, dominance, but it, certainly it doesn't take, you don't have to extrapolate very far to think that it's global dominance and, and not just uh, economic issues. So, I mean, he's as hawkish as you can get on China, but he's not alone. Our own Jim Cramer uh, has, has gotten more and more vociferous about the threat that China poses to, to America's future.
0: So Bannon, as a person, has a pretty controversial persona publicly. And and we satirized that a bit uh, on the show
2: and also on his past appearances. When we come back, Steve Bannon has joined us from some very interesting places. Oh, my God. Including the border wall in front of the Parthenon and the Brandenburg Gate. Today, Stonehenge or not. Actually, he is right here in studio oh, with us today. Uh, oh, he's our oh. special guest right after this break. Squawk, box <laughs> will be right back.
7: <laughs> Do you think he was in on the joke? Um, he knows exactly what he said in the past. I, I think that, uh, you know, I'm not necessary when we get certain mail or, or Twitter comments about him, they, he's a nationalist. Is he a white nationalist? I, I don't know. I'm not, I don't know what's in his heart. I don't think the people that, uh, that, 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 that right that stuff really know what's in his heart either so you know i've seen the same things said about president trump should steve bannon not be on a a, a network because uh, a certain part of the population views him as you know uses the hyperbole and and uh, all the ad hominem attacks i i don't think so he's he's not you know he doesn't shave and he doesn't wear very nice clothes when he comes on either but he's he's very smart and two well, one you pointed out that the, the things that the president sort of stands for with his base were were existing long before you got involved and that it, it, President Trump you didn't tell him about it. he is the leader of a lot of these I, I'm states.
3: As President Trump says I'm his top student I'm right. proud to be his top student but the these forces have been around for a while and President Trump has galvanized them into a political movement that has seen I think an incredibly successful first term of his presidency.
7: Talking about China uh, Peter Navarro under a pen name uh, an anagram of his last name Ron, Ron Vara says things I guess that he what did you really mean? And he, he says it in, in there. I, don't, I can't imagine you need a pen name because under Steve Bannon, you write stuff that, that is, is, I think, Navar- expresses no. your feelings adequately. Peter K- 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 K-
3: Navarro is not shy about staying his cases. I think it's, I think it's pretty straightforward. But look, in the, in the trade relationship, I think I like quoting a liberal Democrat, some guy named Jim Cramer. Right. Last week, when the, these amazing, the manifestation of Trump's economic policies are seen in this jobs number. And that's really the convergence of his trade deals, what he's done in energy dominance, you know, deconstruction of the ministry of state, which is massive deregulation, eight for every eight taken off for every one put up. You see the manifestation. It's Kramer, who's a liberal Democrat, who says, hey, he should walk away from the table right now. We're winning. Do you think that's a a manifestation of his trade policy with China, though? I think it's a big part of it. I think think tariffs... Uh, To me, it's quite obvious, I think, to many people. Jim Cramer on on the left and guys like Christian Witten on the right is that... The trade is a compo- is a major component piece of this. Remember, so you che- look at the trade story as being a drag on the economy. At Absolutely all. not. I think all the all the cheerleaders of of, of Wall Street that have been on the show and others over the last year have just been wrong. They've been wrong every time. They, what they've been telling the president to do, I think they've been wrong. And he's had a very stable, a very steady course, an island of stability to kind of lay out. Uh, what he wants to accomplish to, to really. And I think this is to integrate China more into the world's economy. Look, here's the one thing I think people got to keep in mind about the Chinese Communist Party, who I think is on the ropes right now. If you look at either the Hong Kong deal, which they were on the Paris Accord, which we now know from the Financial Times, they they tripled down on coal burning plants and never told anybody about it. Uh, If you look at uh, what they did to President Obama and Biden when they signed in the Rose Garden about cyber intrusions and militarization of the South China Sea, they totally lied to people's faces. And if you look at this announcement about technology, which just got leaked last week, they promulgated that a year ago. Remember, the biggest geopolitical event we've had in the last year is China saying we want whole new standards. We're decoupling from the West. This thing, Andrew, on, on technology, was in the middle of the intense negotiations of the Lighthizer deal that dealt with the seven deadly sins and dealt with the verticals. What they're signaling of what they're really doing, and this is a huge thing, they're totally decoupling from the West on technology. They knew about it. They, they, they falsely, I think, went in and kept negotiating. And then Lee Hook came out two weeks ago and said, we're doubling or tripling down on state-owned industries. Continue to finance the state-owned industries like they're doing is exporting deflation and overcapacity to the world. They have no intention of standing behind. Well, but here, a, so
5: here's my question. I don't disagree with anything you just said except for one piece of it, okay. which is where, how do you look at this trade negotiation and say, That somehow the united states is winning because you're right they're lying straight to our face and they continue to but throughout the past year it doesn't
3: seem at least that you know what you say we have them on the ropes president trump looks at this andrew i think as this is an economic war that they've been running against us for 20 years you probably understand this better than anybody trade is this part of it currency is this part, capital markets is this part, and technology is kind of the right. beating heart of it, whether that's Huawei or trying to get off their own, now to have their own requirements and their own standards, to totally break off and decouple from the West. Uh, the trade piece is a, a relatively small piece of this. It's more symbolic than, than anything else. Over the USMCA, which is obviously on trade, much more important than the China piece, and on 1 January, which nobody talks about the japanese deal that we've negotiated that kicks in he's winning he's winning on every level on, on trade and that's why i think right China now auto
7: sales are down 17 straight months What's the latest export numbers from China? Meanwhile, on Friday, we had a 50-year low in unemployment, 266,000 jobs, and new highs across the board, NASDAQ, S&P, and Dell. Where are you seeing the U.S. losing in China? Can I I
2: I just ask one question? I I think it hurts China much more than it hurts us. But Steve uh, Leisman brought up a point the other day, and I hadn't really thought it through to that point. Multinationals, U.S. multinationals, uh, if you strip out China growth, their growth goes to zero do you what do you, what do you think about no, that but i think that this
3: be... is i think it's first of all i think shifting the supply chain back first it's east asia is coming back to the united states remember this right. is the the central thing is about bringing high value added manufacturing jobs back to the united states that's a commitment he made to the american people he's very focused on that that's it what might he's be the of, magic the, wand and, and, and it's to position us for the fourth industrial revolution right this is why the the situation with zte and huawei is so important and president trump's policies are all looking at that Companies, well, other markets are going to boom. He is working on really an economic order that that restructures the world around freedom, democracy, and free market capitalism, right? That is a massive struggle, and you have a mercantilist totalitarian dictatorship. Right. That yep. has enslaved their people. That's worked on that's had a different business model. He's breaking that business model. That business model is in collapse. Look at the debt problem these companies have. Look at the, the, the meeting that she's in this week is probably one of the most important meetings the CCP's ever had. They're besieged in China, in Hong Kong, and they're besieged. Millennials, millennials who are on the streets fighting for free market capitalism and the rule of law and inside their economy. We, I think we realize their growth's probably at zero. They have this massive, the New York Times reporting today, this right. massive problem right. with their corporations. The, the campaign Hong acts, Kong that.
7: protester was Time uh, person of the year. Oh wait, no, it wasn't, it was Greta.
2: Steve, what do you think about what's happening in the impeachment situation? What does this mean for President Trump's re-election?
3: I, I think this has had a, a, since President Trump came out with a tweet that said unity and substance, remember, he says the call was a perfect call. At the time he put that tweet out, there were a number of Republicans saying, well, what he did was not right, but it's not impeachable. That's gone. You have a total united Republican Party now that agrees that there was nothing wrong with this call. And in fact, this is what he was hired to the, about the American people to do. And I think this, th- th- this is a, all a show trial now in the House. It's a foregone conclusion. The action moves to the Senate. And I think the fundamental decision that is for the president to make is between an acquittal Right. And we talked about the negotiated an acquittal and exoneration and exoneration means, I think, a full trial. I think the president of the United States is not going to just look for some simple acquittal. He's got the votes, but he's going to look to be exonerated. He believes and I think his followers believe and now all the Republican Party believe that what he did was correct. It is what he was hired to do uh, and that and he needs to be exonerated, not just acquitted by some majority vote.
2: Do Do you think it was a mistake for Nancy Pelosi? to bring this action, to have it go forward, given how much pressure she was facing from her base as well?
3: She, look, she's, I think she is a master political strategist. And while she had free shots on goal that the first six weeks, until Matt Gates forced this, when he went down and exposed to the American people that the auditions were being done down in, the, in a skiff in the, in the bowels of the, of the, of the uh, Capitol, this about five or six weeks ago, once this all came up, and remember, what the Democrats were hoping for is that it went on national TV and particularly broadcast TV with the hearings. That the numbers would really, the numbers were moving against the president, they move more. Are, are, Americans the paying, are
2: Americans paying attention? I think they've
3: they I di- think I think the, the, I think the uh, besides people who are political junkies, I think America's t- kind of dialed out, right? And, and it, they, they they've dialed out because they don't see it as affecting their lives. What they see affecting their lives is the jobs numbers from last week. What they and this is where I think Nancy Pelosi. Has, has really messed up is that holding USMCA to right after you impeach him I think signals that this thing's been on your desk for one year and we lost one year of the benefit to the American people what remember what people want Congress to do is focus on how you take the country forward.
2: if it's about the economy stupid is President Trump wrong to push forward again with this trade war with China because if the stock market turns down if CEOs decide that they are less willing to commit capital, capital expenditures, and put that forward as a result, that in turn could hurt the U.S. economy. I'm not arguing that it doesn't hurt China worse. C- 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 but C- if C- it's C- all about the economy, but, but does back, that come here, down here's to Here's what it?
3: I think. I think what CEOs who are logical are going to see, that USMCA sets up North America, Mexico, the United States, and Canada as a geostrategic alter, manufacturing alternative. So you think it actually spurs capital expenditure think spurs, here in, in think North the America? I think the one thing we're missing in those great jobs numbers is massive spending in CapEx. Mm-hmm. I think now CEOs are going to say the whole world wants in on the American economy. In a, in a, in a, in a world of, of concern and potential chaos, America, and North America particularly, is a center of stability. Let's make capital spenders there. Sure. You're starting to see the supply chain first go to East Asia, but it's coming back here. That's what I'm saying. Trump, all of this is converging. And these are all actions that Donald Trump took over the last year. And now you're seeing the manifestation in numbers. i got to tell you, I was the one that was out in 18 and saying, hey, they're going to win the House because they're in a role. They've got Bloomberg's money. They've selected these candidates in these 31 districts. The Democrats, they're working hard. They're going door to door like the Tea Party in 2010. And I said, these candidates in these 30 districts never talk about impeachment. They talk about health care and the economy and national security. She's put those into jeopardy. And I think the big tell is going to be you already have two that are not going to vote for it. But I think of those 30 Democrats, if four or five of those... Uh, like Max Rose and others, you know, these former veterans, CIA people kind of handpicked from central casting. If they sit there and you see the town halls are getting lit up, if four or five of those don't vote to impeach, then it's just not partisan. It's hyper-partisan.
0: Coming up, FDA commissioner turned venture capitalist, Dr. Scott Gottlieb, is concerned about what controlling drug prices could do to medical innovation.
4: We'll still get new drugs. We might even get more drugs, but we're not going to get drugs targeted to really high risk endeavors.
0: Squawk Pod. We'll be right back. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation.
1: Stand andrew by. Up and Andrew, Q.
5: Good morning. Welcome back to Spark Clocks right here on CNBC. I'm Major Ross Sorkin along with Becky Quick and Joe Kernan.
2: The House passing Speaker Pelosi's sweeping drug pricing legislation that would give the U.S. government more power to negotiate lower prices. The Senate is not expected to take any action on the measure. It currently has a competing bill, and President Trump said he would veto it. In a Wall Street Journal op-ed, former FDA Commissioner Dr. Scott Gottlieb tackles the drug pricing debate taking place on Capitol Hill. He says policymakers need to resist the urge to control drug prices at the risk of punishing drug makers. Dr. Gottlieb joins us right now. He's a venture capitalist at New Enterprise Associates whose investments include biotech companies. He's also a CNBC contributor, and you're on the board of Pfizer, correct? Uh, Pfizer, the drug company. Um, Scott, this is always a difficult conversation because when people look at this, it's very obvious. Patients who are found to have cancer, something like 40% of them or something, Um, have financial troubles within the first two years of that diagnosis. So this is a hot-button topic. It sounds, um, at first blush, anybody who says you don't want higher drug prices, like you are just being mean and cruel to people who need these drugs and can't afford them. But you have a very important point to get across. What, What is that point?
4: Well, look, there's patients facing real hardships here, and I think what's happened in recent years is more people find themselves underinsured for drugs. So when you look at the actual real price of drugs, it's not increasing that much. What's happening is more and more patients are out-of-pocket for their drug spend and more and more of their out-of-pocket spending is tied to a list price that isn't the real price that the health plans are paying. The problem is if the government steps in and sets arbitrary price controls, which is really what this House bill does, um, the government starts to pick winners and losers and reallocates capital. And, and it's not going to necessarily re- necessarily reallocate the capital into the highest use endeavors. And my fear is that what this bill is going to do by raising the cost of capital and capping expected returns is effectively reduce risk taking. So you're still going to get new drugs, but you're going to get investments in known targets and platforms that are well developed and and the sort of high risk stuff like gene therapy and cell based regenerative medicine that really hold a lot of promise for the future. That's what's not going to get created.
2: So let's talk about those, those uh, targets that we already are aware of, things that already have plenty of drugs that are out there for treating. Uh, would be what? What sort of diseases are we talking about? Well,
4: things like cardiovascular disease, parts of the body, organ systems that we've, we really understand the biology well. That's, those are targets that are well validated places in the body where we don't understand the targets really well are brain diseases, like neurodegenerative diseases and certain kinds of cancers. That's where you've seen investment shift. You've seen the biopharmaceutical industry shift investment into the highest risk endeavors, in part because the returns were there. Um, over you know, the last
2: 15 years. Right.
4: Over 15 years ago, the refrain about the drug industry was, all they do is make me two products. All they do is make a fifth version of a statin or a blood pressure pill. So we took deliberate policy steps, and I was there when we did it with how we designed Medicare Part D and the Medicare Modernization Act to try to shift and into higher risk endeavors, and that's what the companies did. You've seen the companies shed their OTC businesses, their animal health businesses, their generic drug businesses, and they moved all their investment or a lot of it into the high-growth, high-risk parts of of the industry.
2: As a result, what sort of developments have we seen uh, for these rare diseases where there was no hope before?
4: Well, look, gene editing, gene therapy, where we really have the ability to cure inherited inherited disorders, um, sickle cell disease, we'll have a cure of a sickle cell disease in the next five years. The other thing to remember is that these new platforms like gene therapy, they're being used right now against rare diseases, but once they get perfected and mainstreamed, we're gonna start using these same platforms against more common diseases, like maybe to cure the effects of a heart attack. You think back to antibody-based drugs, you look back 20 years ago, those drugs were, t- were targeted towards rare cancers. Now we have antibody-based drugs for things like the treatment of asthma um, or co- common diseases like that. Uh, more cholesterol, lowering cholesterol. So these platforms get perfected in high-risk areas, and then they get mainstreamed. My fear is you're not going to get investment in the plat- these kinds of platforms. You'll get investment in things that are again known known platforms, small molecule drugs, the kind of drugs you swallow, and in well validated targets. We'll still get new drugs. We might even get more drugs, but we're not going to get drugs targeted to really high risk endeavors.
2: What, where, where does it stand right now with this uh, bill passing the House? Uh, the president has said he'll veto it. There's an alternative bill that's uh, it's moving its way through the Senate. Would, is it really having any chilling effect yet, or what would need to happen before you think that the, the actual that actually plays out? Yeah,
4: the alternative bill is is a good piece of legislation, an aggressively wide and bill. There's parts of it I think that could be modified and made better, but the bill that bill doesn't solve the drug pricing. Problem, if you will, the out-of-pocket problem for a lot of Americans. It's going to solve that problem for for senior citizens, and it modernizes Medicare Part D, which is long overdue. So it's an important piece of legislation. The House bill doesn't uh, doesn't help a lot of consumers either. It's really not going to solve people's problems every day. What,
2: what, what will solve the problems on an everyday basis? If this is that insurance companies are no longer paying for these things, and people are dealing with these list prices that aren't the real prices right. that insurance companies pay, how do you fix that? Well, problem?
4: there is a provision in in the um, the bill that passed the Senate just recently, or, or is a compromise that, that is said to be broken between the Senate and the House, that would mandate that the discounts, the rebates, need to be passed on to consumers. So that would be helpful. Um, and I think looking at the structure of health insurance, we've really started to hollow out health insurance in recent years. And I think a lot of this was set in motion by the Affordable Care Act. Where more patients find themselves on closed formularies, where they're completely uncovered for certain drugs, and their out-of-pocket costs are very high, so they find themselves underinsured for drugs. It's not that the drug prices have gone up significantly the in recent years; they haven't. they paying for it. They, insurance companies. As a tightened. result of the Affordable Care Act. Well, the Affordable Care Act was a compromise between trying to extend coverage to more people right. with coverage that was skinnier. Um, so, the, so I think the ACA popularized, for example, the use of closed formularies. A closed formulary means there's a formulary, formulary list, and it's a narrow list of drugs that are covered, but drugs that don't make that list you're completely uncovered for.
2: Which, again, goes back to a lot of the d- rarer diseases and other issues that are not popular, like if you're right. not using Lipitor or something. Um, maybe it's not on the list. Well,
4: so, Lipitor, there's good enough generics. I mean, for a lot of these common, common maladies, you now have good enough generics. Personalized medicine is going to be expensive.
2: It is, but it leads to cure. I to know, and and it medicine. might not be it's chronic.
7: Like, you might not be in a hospital with drugs. At, so we'd, we better not, but, not hurt the drug industry too much. Well, you look it's at
4: better it better than going into a hospital. Mm-hmm. Gene thera- a gene therapy drug, a single patient in a clinical trial for a gene therapy drug. I did my own informal survey cost between five hundred to seven hundred thousand dollars just to run the clinical that's, trial. One that's patient, cheap. that's cheaper than and for gene editing, enrolling a single patient in gene editing trials a million dollars. Yes, so but the, the development difference is you are
2: high. finding platforms that then can be rolled out to multiple patients, and then you can take and find multiple exactly. diseases that get wiped out from that. You're that's not talking right. about a one-off drug. You're talking yeah, then of one that eventually leads to a platform. A platform, right? But
7: if you diseases. want to grandstand it in Congress and talk about how the drug companies that's are gouging people, you're going to use the five hundred to seven hundred thousand. That well, that's what, no.
4: That's not what it costs the patient. That's the no, I know, the but you're going to yeah. use, I mean, this is... But
2: the
7: alternative don't solve I, these right I cases. understand, but t- talk to the people that want
4: to stifle uh, innovation. Well, the other thing is, you know, the refrain is, well, all we're doing is curing very rare diseases, and that's not having a big public health impact. But I think what people need to remember is these platforms will, as they get perfected, will eventually be used to, to cure more common we, conditions. Well, things,
2: things like autism, things like Alzheimer's, all kinds of other
4: Parkinson's, issues. Parkinson's, right. I mean, even they're looking at gene therapy to try to reconstitute heart muscle after a heart attack.
7: Right. But we need to keep pointing out that uh, it could be the best deal in town, a pill versus a hospital bed, right? We need to keep t- t- telling people that. The
4: problem is the technology costs are born up front, and so it's exactly. hard to okay. lay out the money right. up front. To we got to go again.
2: Scott, come back, because I love this conversation.
0: That's the show for today. You made it to the end of another week. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, subscribe to Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts.
7: I'll see you later today, I guess.
0: <laughs> That's right, at the, at the Squawk so Holiday Party. we got party. that
7: going for us. I don't think I can have a margarita, but maybe I'll have a enchilada or something.
0: If you like what you hear, please leave us a rating or a review. That helps other listeners find Squawk Pod. We'll meet you back here on Monday. Have a great weekend.
1: We are clear. Thanks, guys.